0: First Thessalonians chapter five, if you'll go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or flip on your phones or however you do your thing, whatever. I do want to say this. Um, I know we've talked a lot about children's ministry and it seems like every year around this time we're talking about the need to, to help us out in that ministry. And I just want to clarify one thing. Corby is nuts but he's not the only one running things over there, okay? So um, (laughs) if you need some more mature people, they're in there, okay? Kristen Walker (laughs) runs the preschool department and uh, I think you definitely need a level of maturity there for that, and we have provided that. So I don't want you to be scared away from leaving kids over there. First Thessalonians chapter five. We're continuing our verse by verse study of First Thessalonians. We've entitled the series message, uh, Flourish. Now, what we're gonna do, we have today and two more weeks of this as we finish out the, the book, this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And today we're looking at something that Paul raises here in the verses we're looking at today, and it's the idea to flourish when you're called to lead. Now, there's many types of leadership in our world today. And I think if you look at uh, the national scene, you're gonna see that there's really a whole different idea of leadership from one party to the next, or however you may look at it. You can look at the next country away from us, you'll see there's a different type of leadership. But there is something that we need to take note of, and that's the type of leadership God desires in the home and also as it relates to the church. And so Paul was very careful to share with us about the idea of spiritual, leadership. So look at the introduction. The need for spiritual leadership is a must for a family and a local church. A spiritual leader is a person God calls to provide spiritual guidance and discernment for a family and a local church. So here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's going to give us insight as to how the leaders of the church are to relate to the members and also, really, when you look at it, also, you can pull some parallels here to say he's talking about what it means to be a leader in a home. And so he's, the same things that he talks about, what he expects in the church, basically is the same thing that we find that he desires for the home. Many of us are familiar with this verse here on the screen. Ephesians 6, 4 says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. But what are you to do? You're to bring them up. You're to raise them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And so when we begin to look at spiritual leadership, we can definitely look at it as it relates to the church. And there's spiritual leadership here. God calls spiritual leadership in all churches. That's his plan. But also in the family. And guess who he places as leaders? He he places leaders as the husband, the the father figure to lead a family, and he talks about how to lead that family. Now, I think many of us would agree that parenting is the most difficult job in the world. How many of you would agree with that? It is. I mean, nothing compares to it. Think about it. One old uh, Chinese proverb says this, it is harder to lead a family than to rule a nation. You know why I know that's true? because many people who have ruled nations were terrible at leading their family. You can see it, it is out there. And and I've seen it play out in many different ideas or venues, and so we need to understand that when we look at spiritual leadership, there's all forms of it, there's, and guess what? What he expects over here is really no different than what he expects over here. It's the same all the way across the board. So this morning, as we begin to look into these verses, I not only want you to see what I and the other pastors are called to be in your life and how you should respond to it. I want you as those who are called to lead, whether it's to lead your families or whatever you may lead, to see that there's some parallels in how you need to take that same information and learn how God expects you to lead. And it's really a parallel of both. So This morning, let's look at this idea of the portrait of spiritual leadership. Look on your outline. First of all, there's a proper explanation of spiritual leaders. Now, the Bible has much to say, as I said, about spiritual leaders. In 1 Timothy and Titus, you're gonna see a whole array of specific qualifications for leaders. He lays them right out, and they're really good for all of us to follow. And then here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us how the church body needs to respond to leadership. So every person, this is what we need to understand, has equal access to God. We're not living under the old covenant where the priest was a mediator between the people and God. According to what we read about the new covenant, when Jesus Christ showed up, and when we uh, asked Jesus to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit began to live within us. We all had the same access to God. There's no difference between male and female or whatever, however differences you can put there. And so there's no differences there. But the thing we need to understand is that God has given certain responsibilities to others in the local church. And that's a calling that God places on people's lives. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 12. He says, and we urge you, brethren, he's talking about those who make up the body, that local church there in Thessalonica, to recognize those who labor among you. Of course, the terminology here that he's using, he's talking about the spiritual leadership that's in that church. He says, they are not only labor among you, but they're over you in the Lord and they admonish you. Now let's break this verse down. The first thing that we see there is to recognize recognize. It means to know. It's literally the idea of getting close enough to a person to know their heart, to know what are their passions. What are, if God's called them to be a spiritual leader, are they aligned with what God expects? Are they aligned with those things? And so he says to know, but then we also see from this, the word appreciate. We are to appreciate their calling. Now, you're going to laugh at this, and it's okay. Just don't overdo it, okay? But did you know that, this is hard for me to say, did you know that I'm a gift of this church? (laughs) Hey, I didn't say laugh hard. I just, really, I mean, when you think about what, the terminology that's being used here, and I'm not trying to be some arrogant whatever, you know me well enough to know, but I will say this, that what God, the leadership that God provides is a gift to the body. That's the terminology that we find in scripture. And so anytime that there, there, God has placed someone in your life to help watch over your soul is the terminology we find in scripture. Any person that you have in there, you need to think of them as a gift from God. Now you say, well, I, no, I've seen some of that. And I get it. I know it's hard to see it that way, but that's the terminology that we find In scripture. Now, Peter writes something about this whole idea of leadership also. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 here on the screen. He says, the elders who are among, among you, I exhort. He says, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Of course, he was there with Christ. He saw it firsthand. And also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He's seen the full picture. He knows how this is going to end up. He heard it himself. He also says, he says, shepherd the flock of God who is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Have a a passion to do it. It's just there. It's not something you have to drag yourself to do. You have a passion for it. He says, not for dishonest gain, not to take advantage of people, not not to to go in such a way that you corrupt what I'm trying to do in the people. He says, "But, but eagerly. It's the idea to take on what God has called you to do the way God's called you to do it. And he's talking about that. So in verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul seems to outline the spiritual leadership that we even see here in 1 Peter. The first thing we see there is pastor. Uh, The word pastor there literally means shepherd, shepherd, those who labor among you. Now, I want you to think about what a shepherd does. Uh, Many of us, uh, we didn't grow up on farms. We didn't really see uh, there's not many sheep. Uh, laying around anywhere. But anyway, um, we don't see it firsthand. But but you got to understand that a shepherd, what does he do with the sheep? He takes care of the sheep. I mean, the, the care that a shepherd has to take for sheep is definitely one of those things where they really have to look after them. Now, the reason for that is sheep, Jeff Reynolds told me a little bit about sheep. They are smart in their own way, but they're also not smart in many ways. <laughs> They literally had to be taken care of and guided. And, and we see all this. So it, the, the pastor operates as a shepherd. The word labor there means to work. It, it is hard work to be an effective spiritual leader. Spiritual leaders are to be hard workers. So spiritual leaders are shepherds. What do they do? They feed and they care for the sheep. And that's what pastors have been called to do. To care to feed the congregation. And there's one thing that we know from scripture that is very important, that is kind of isolated out from under leadership when it comes to a pastor, is the fact that they are to study and teach the body. That, that's how we feed you. Now, in the Baptist church, or when you think about being fed, you think of fried chicken, right? Somebody's going to eat some chicken, okay? <laughs> that, that, that's not the terminology here. The idea of feeding is giving you something that God desires for you. That is the primary responsibility that I've been called to is to feed you, to, to bring the Word of God to you in such a way that it provides for you the care that God desires you to have. And, and that's one of the ideas. So we see the shepherding part. Second of all, we see the overseer and it's the administrator, okay? And it's those who are over you. So a spiritual leader, here's what we need to understand, is not a dictator. You won't find that in scripture. The idea of dictatorship is not something you'll find when it comes to spiritual leadership. Now, now let me give you some differences between the two. A dictator wants his will be done. While a spiritual leader seeks that God's will be done. A a, a dictator bullies people into doing what they do. A spiritual leader, and based on what we're getting ready to read here in just a moment, they challenge encourage people to do what they need to do. And and so a, a, a dictator is interested in being a boss and some even to be a celebrity. But a spiritual leader is interested in being a servant to the people. A dictator cares little for people. It's only about how people can serve them. And a spiritual leader loves the people, loves the people. A a dictator wants what is best for themselves, while spiritual leadership wants what's best for the people under the guidance of God. And, And you see, there's so many different ways. So spiritual leaders are to lead by examples, which I believe we see in scripture, by being a servant. True and healthy leadership is not something that is dem- demanded. It is something in which the people respond to it because they have a confidence in what God's doing in that person's life that they begin to follow that leadership. And, and you see, I think so many times there's so many people out there trying to demand it when it's also one of those things that should not only be earned, but there is association with the idea that God has placed a calling on some people's lives to lead. And there needs to be a proper response to it. Not only from those who are called to lead, but those who respond to that leadership. In verse 12, we see not only a pastor who's a shepherd or overseer who's administrator, but we see the idea of elder. And that means counselor. And he's talking about those who admonish you. Now the word elder, literally, if you to say, okay, let's take the word, what does it really mean? It literally means to give someone spiritual counsel. To, to bring something to them, to, to counsel them. Now, now, let me say this, that can happen in many ways. One of the greatest privileges I have, and, and I don't take it lightly, I really don't. I take what I do here on, very seriously. And, and and I try to be very prepared. I try to be in tune with what God wants me to say. I try I try my best not to water anything down. I try to give it to you straight. But, but you know something, it, this idea of spiritual counsel Some people think you've got to sit in a room one-on-one to receive it. You can get spiritual counseling sitting here right now. Some of you walked in here with needs. Some of you walked in here this morning to say, you know something? I really need to know about how do I need to to deal with this this morning? And and, and you know how God is? You know what I've noticed about God? God has a perfect way of matching those things up. Uh, You'd be amazed. (laughs) Let me tell you how some of this works. To show you how ineffective I can be at times, (laughs) it's amazing how some people will email me or call me or see me the next week and say, You remember when you said this, this, and this? I want you to know that that right there spoke to me. God met my need with what? And I'm sitting here thinking, I didn't say that. (laughs) Of course, I never tell them because they're trying to lift me up. You know, it's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but what is going on there? What's the dynamic that's at play? It's the part that most of us don't realize is at play. It's the Holy Spirit of God taking His Word. It could be just have been me reading the Scripture, pinpointing something that you have need of, that you walk into the room that morning, and all of a sudden, bam, there it is. And you see, that's the reason we need to take seriously. And that's the reason, listen, we need... I'm just going to tell you this. If you attend a church and are not preaching the Word of God from the Word of God, you're wasting your time. The power of the Word of God, (laughs) I mean, it's transforming. It has the ability to do things in your life that man's wisdom cannot do. And so what we need to understand is that we are called, pastors are called to be elders. They're there to admonish you, to provide spiritual counsel. Now, let me tell you on the other side, let me tell you the flip side. Spiritual leadership has to have much accountability. And, and guess what? A pastor does not operate under their own authority, but under the authority of Jesus Christ and his word. So listen to this. A church or a home is not a democracy where the people rule. A church or home is not an anarchy where everybody does their own thing. Listen to this a church or a home, listen, is a Christocracy where Jesus rules. It's about him ruling. It's about him calling the shots. So listen to this. A church is to be operated under the lordship of Jesus through the servant leadership of the pastors for the congregation. A home is to be operated under the lordship of Jesus through the servant leadership of a godly man for his family. Now you say, these are the ideals. This is what God would like to see play out. Now, not only do we see a proper explanation of spiritual leadership, but a proper appreciation for spiritual leadership. I want you to look at what he says next. or Look on your outline first. How do we do that? Through love. Through love. Now, let me just say this. It's not easy for someone to stand in front of you and tell you how <laughs> you should treat this position, <laughs> but I'm just trying to go with what I see here in God's word. And and he says, a proper appreciation for spiritual leaders is through love. And again, I believe it's not just not, not only referring to a pastor's leadership, anyone who's in a position of spiritual leadership, We, we need to respond to it. How? With love. How do we know this? First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 13, and to esteem them, those spiritual leaders very highly. How do you do that? In love for their work's sake. Now, let me tell you something about this whole idea of esteeming them highly. It's not, it doesn't come about through fear. If anyone's trying to lead you through fear, first of all, fear is not of whom? God. That's not the goal. The goal is for them to lead in such a way that there is a love for what they've been called to do on behalf of God for the people. And it's up to the people to respond how? in that same love, in that same love. Now, let me just say this. For the last 20, really 30 years, I've been a very blessed man in this area. I have, I've talked to pastors. Matter of fact, there's a couple of young pastors that actually grew up here that are out there ministering right now. And believe me, their work is not easy. They're overcoming ideas that are out there They're overcome. And, and, and I don't, I'm sure that they don't feel the love, if you know what I mean, at times. And, and I'm here to tell you that we as a church, we're a blessed church. And, and I think these things, the love that this church has predates me. Okay, There's been a love here. There's been, a, there's been an attitude and environment in this church that, that is just, I tell you, it's just unreal. You people know how to take care of your spiritual leaders. You really do. And you've done a wonderful job. I, I've, seen, I've seen this body work. I mean, over the last 30 years, I've seen it. I've seen when pastors get sideways and how delicate the, the and how respectful the other leadership tries to move in and try to restore that. And I've seen that take place. It's a beautiful thing. I, I've seen that there's no power structures here. There's no power structure. There's not those who say, no, 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 no. Uh. There's just, There's. it's just amazing. I am so blessed. Sometimes I feel guilty. I'm talking to these young pastors and, and they're younger than me and they, they tell me what, I say, glad well, I never had to deal with that one, you know. I really have. And all our pastors feel that way. We talk about it. The love that we feel from this body. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, talking about spiritual leaders, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. You see, they keep watch over you. How do they keep watch over you? Let me give you some ways. And we're gonna talk more specific here in just a moment. Well, they may warn you. They may have to comfort you. They may have to challenge you. Uh, these are things that they, they care for you. He basically says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. This is very intimidating, by the way. One day when we began to sit around and talk about the works that have been done here on this earth and we began to look at the possible rewards that are there and everything, did you know that I'm going to be held to a higher judgment because of the position God's placed me in? Some of you men, I'm I'm just going to tell you, I'm getting ready to, I might blow your mind here. You're going to be held to a higher judgment than anybody else in your family because he's called you to lead. And, and, and in that, there's a lot of responsibility. And, and, and we've got to understand, there's just, it's there. He goes on, he says, obey them, obey those leaders so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. Did you know there's times where it's been a joy to serve this place? And, and listen, we've had our ups and downs. We, we've had to lead through a lot of change. And, and listen, I know change is hard on people. It's hard on me. And we've seen all that. And there's been times where I've been burdened for things that we knew we had to do. And your heart, I mean, sleepless nights where, God, please help me. We're, we're on the right track, God, right? I mean, we're, we're following your hand, right, God? And, 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 but there's some burdens sometimes there that you feel too. But you know Something. You're supposed to be in such a way that there's a joy in serving the Lord. There's a lot of pastors out there that don't have that joy because every time they turn around, they're fighting a battle because it's just tough out there. He said, goes on. He says that their joy that uh, over them so that their work would be joy, not a burden, so that they would be of no advantage. That would be no advantage to you. How many of you want somebody to lead? That's about sick of fighting things and they just kind of react. <laughs> now he's talking about, you know, let's make this thing work. Let's hear what God's doing. Next, he says, not only through love, we respond to them through love, but also through peace. He says in First Thessalonians chapter five, he says, be at peace among yourselves. I remember the former pastor, I had the privilege to serve with him for nine years, uh, and, 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 uh, sometimes we'd get together and, you know, what were you, what'd you do today? He said, oh, I was out putting out fires. I said, really? I didn't know what that meant. I was a young pastor. I thought, man, I didn't know he served in the fire department too. You know, said, that's pretty naive early on. He said, I said, what do you mean fires? He said, well, this over here is happening. This is happening. That's happening. I'm sitting there like, boy, glad that's your job, not mine. It became mine one day, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but, but let me say this. Why do we need to be at peace with one another? Why do we need to have a love for one another? Listen, let me say this. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. When it comes to a family, when it comes to a church, there's too much at stake. We need to be at peace with one another. Next, we see a proper explanation to spiritual leaders on our outline, but uh, while we're there, I want you to hold your place here. Turn to Ephesians chapter four quickly. Now, here's what I would be asking if I were you, okay? What are you doing as a spiritual leader of this church? What what are you doing? What are your desires for this body? If I were you, I would want to know the answers to those questions. You you see what I mean? Wouldn't you, uh, hopefully you're not just sitting here, well, bless me if I can, or give me a word, we'll see if this works, or I hope you know that there's there's a driving passion passion that I personally have for this body every time I put a sermon together every time we meet uh, with other uh, leadership there's just something that I'm that just drives. and, and, and it's right here and it's in a, it's, it's, it's in a place where I've, I've shared with you so many different times because it's the heart of what I think I've been called to in Ephesians chapter 4 I want you to look at verse 11. what I'm getting ready to read to you is what I desire for you that I wanna come alongside of you to help you in, okay? So look at verse 11. And he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now the pastor teacher is what I've been called to do. It implies the idea of shepherd. It implies the idea of, of elder and overseer. So look at verse 12. Why would Why would that be in place? for the equipping of the saints. I believe my goal is to give you, my desire is to give you, what I've been instructed is to give you the things necessary for you to live the life that God's called you to live. And I can't stand up here and constantly give you my opinion about it. I can't come up here and give you the world's idea about it or what some psychologist says. I'm to to instruct you how? through the admonition of the Lord, through the work, through the word itself. That's what I've been called to do. So if you're sitting here today and you, you're a father and you're like, well, you've said I'm a spiritual leader. What does that even look like? I, I'm attempting to do that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you what you need to do what you're called to do, yeah. no matter who you are. Keep reading, you'll see there in verse 12, equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We make up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not this building. It's not this campus. The body of Christ is you. You are the body of Christ. So what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do as pastors? We're not only trying to give you what you need to be what you've been called to do. We're also there to build you up, to to come alongside of you and build you up that you become what he's called you to do. That's That's what we've been called to do. And and then he goes on. Why? What what does this even look Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to all together, seeing it the right way, seeing it God's way. And the knowledge, this is a part of that too, the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or a mature man, mature person, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. And and until we are the image bearers of the one who saved us. The goal is to move you towards Christ, his instruction, his admonitions. That's what it's all about, y'all. Then he goes on. He says that we should no longer be children. Now, let me say this. I've met people, and you've met people this way. Maybe this describes you, and I'm not knocking that. I, I think there's so many different ways this could even happen, but some of you have been saved for 20 years, and did you know that many of you could still be considered a child in Christ or a babe in Christ instead of someone who's mature? You see, I'm convinced that many people and many churches come up short in this. And there's been times where I feel like we've come up short is we're, we're, we really love to celebrate a person coming to Christ, don't we? I mean, we did that last week, uh, 11 o'clock service. I mean, there were some people baptized. It was a celebration. I loved it. It was fun. It's great but we need to get just as excited about watching that person grow in Christ. We, we need to get to a point where our, we're not satisfied until they're in the process of discipleship, until they learn what it means about what they started in their life. And that's what we're called to do. No longer be children. What are children? Well, what's one characteristic? they are tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, they're naive. They'll fall for anything. And I hate to tell you this, but that is the picture of most churches today. It's the picture of a lot of spiritual quote leaders in churches today. And you say, boy, you're being so judgmental. I'm just telling you what I see. they're, They're falling for everything. They're naive. They're not following the word of God. He says it's right here. Paul's mission, his passion, just like my own, is to see you understand what it means to be what God's called you to be and to understand what is false doctrine and what you should keep away from and what you need to warn your children about and to say, no, this is the word of God. He goes on. He says, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I want you to think about this. The people that God's placed under your influence are a target to be deceived. Did you know that? The Bible says that. If they don't know the word, they'll fall for anything. They can be tricked to do anything, to believe anything. But, but it even goes further to, to, to the point that, that all of a sudden they're deceived and there's a whole web of lies that they begin to believe. And they're twisted and turned into anything the world wants them to be or the enemy wants them to be. That's the terminology here. Spiritual leaders are there to call that out. (laughs) He goes on. How do we go about doing this? Well, we speak the truth in love. I feel like just as the church sometimes misses it with discipleship, I think many times we miss it when, because we don't know how to speak. We don't know how to communicate what we believe. And, and we say it in such a way that's not speaking the truth and love. But I will tell you this, is there something called tough love? Yeah, and if you didn't use it on your children, I don't know what, you're, I don't know what you have now. Tough love is necessary sometimes. You have to confront, you have to talk to them. You gotta get, sometimes you gotta get in their face. But there are times where I think sometimes we don't know how to communicate to those who are in darkness. He says, how do you, why do you speak the truth and love? That they may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. That means this, Christ is the head. We make up the body. We're the body of Christ, okay? That means we're not up here trying to create people, trying to make people into our image. You see what I'm saying? Right, if you look like me, you're gonna go somewhere. You ever seen that before? No, who are we pointing people to? The one we should bear their image of, and that's Christ Jesus. And so we see that. He says, now why would we do that? What's the goal? That the whole body would be joined and knit together by every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part doesn't share. That may include helping out in the preschool department. Every part doesn't share for what purpose? That will cause growth of the body and for the edifying of itself. You mean to tell me we can do such a good job at this that it just becomes natural, it just kind of happens on its own? Yep, it's possible. We're talking about something that should flourish. The body of Christ should flourish, but it will only happen when the spiritual leadership is flourishing. The same way with your homes. If God's called you to be a leader in your home, if you're not flourishing, the family will not flourish to its fullest potential. So we see, turn back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. All right, here in this text, Paul gives us some tools to help us with this task, okay? So how do, we, how do we equip? How do we give them what they need? Well, sometimes it comes by way of confronting or to confront. Look on your outline, to confront. How, look, what does that look like? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Unruly is a term literally used for a soldier who gets out of step. Who gets out of line. How many of you ever had a child that's a little out of line? <laughs> I see some of you waving. I say, yeah, bless your heart. I've been right there with you. My grandfather at times, he was, he was, he was a really good man, and, and, and he's like me. He didn't like to confront. I mean, I was the apple of his eye. I'm, I know I'm sounding real arrogant up here today. First of all, I'm your gift. Second of all, my grandfather just couldn't get enough of me. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm just full of it today, but anyway. But instead of tenderly telling me what I was doing wrong, you know how he would express it? He thumped me on the ear. Have you ever been thumped on the ear? That hurts. Sometimes, I I mean, even as a five-year-old, I felt like just saying, could you just tell me what's going on here? Quit thumping me on the ear. (laughs) But he did, that's the way he'd keep me straight. Bam, it's like, oh. <laughs> but, but, but it's that whole idea that, that we are to warn. What does that mean? Warn, do you know what the word really means? It means, it's a, literally, it's the idea of speaking out of your heart. When you warn someone, it's not one of those things where, oh yeah, you try that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, listen, you're headed down a dangerous path. I want you to hear my heart. There was a time I was headed down that same path. I want you to know that. that let me tell you where that ended up. And I just want to tell you, don't, you don't want to go there. That's the warning we're talking about here. And, and he says, we're to do that. Again, look at Ephesians 6, 4. And, and you fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't, don't, don't. You need to, here's what he's saying. You need to speak to them in a way that they will receive what you have to say. That is the goal. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. So, so how do you do that? You bring them up, you raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And then he, when you see the word in the training, it literally means to discipline. What are we trying to discipline those under our leadership to do? To value what God values, to live his truth, to live accordingly. And then he goes on in the training and the admonition in the Lord. You know what the admonition means? It means you give them truth. But let me give you another side of it too. You refuse to allow them to live in deception. That's a big deal there. It's not just presenting the truth, it means you care enough and love them enough to say, I'm not going to be a part of the deception you're living in. Doesn't mean you have to be ugly about it. It just, again, means you just share your heart. It may require tears. It may require pleading. It may require the a, a, a reassurance that you love that person and that you only want what's best for them and what's, what God says is best for them. But you just put yourself out there. You give them the truth and you refuse to be a part of the deception they may live under. You know, it's interesting sometimes when we have this idea of flourishing and growing and, and we begin to look around and we see, how many of you, don't raise your hand because I'm going to trick you here in a minute. But anyway, how many of you have looked around and said, my life, man, man it's all a mess. It's a mess. At one time or another, we've been there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when we look around, do you know who the key to cleaning it up is? You. But what do we do? Well, if daddy wouldn't have raised me this way, if grandpa wouldn't have thumped me on the ear so much, maybe my brain would work. I mean, I mean, we go into all these ideas. We begin to blame everybody. We begin to look and say, well, you're just totally misreading this and this is messing up our entire life. It may add to it. But do you know that you hold the possible change that needs to happen? The Bible describes change as Transformation. And here's the way you need to look at this. If you want to see things change, you got to change. You got to be the agent of change. You got to be the catalyst to make it right. But you know what most of us are doing? We're sitting around blaming each other. Well, if my wife would just do something or my husband would do something. If the kids would just pay attention. Paul encourages spiritual leaders not only to confront, but comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted. The faint hearted are really those who are easily discouraged. Spiritual leaders are called to encourage. Do you know what the word encourage literally means when you break it down? It means to stir a fire, to help stir a fire under someone. Have you ever had someone encourage you so much that it just made you want to go out and Bam, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, it just, it just brought something out of you that you didn't even know was there. How I many of you know those people? It's almost like they just have a gift. When they speak to you, you leave them feeling like you're walking even higher. Not that they're flattering you, not that they're trying to elevate something that shouldn't be elevated, but because you know it just feels right. We're called to do that in people's lives. Next, Paul encourages spiritual leaders to connect. You knew we had to put that in there somewhere, right? Connect in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. He says, "Warn those who are unruly. Confront, excuse me, comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak." The word "uphold" literally means this idea of cling to or connect with. It, it, the weak are, are talking about those who are spiritually weak. Have you ever been spiritually weak at some point? You know, we sang that song that God will never fail us. But how many of you have been at a point in your life, or maybe you're there right now, where you feel like you're being failed by God? You ever been there? There's times we've all been there. But do you know what's interesting about it? When we're in the valley, or when we are in the trial, or under the circumstance, or whatever, it's gonna be hard not to, to see God's hand in it. We've all been there. But you know when we begin to see that he's never failed us, as many times when we get on the other side of it, and we begin to look back, and we understand why it was there. Possibly. Sometimes we don't know that even then, do we? But we just trust him. We just trust him. And when we're at that time, listen, when we're at that time, we need people to come and support us, don't we? Don't we? I mean, be honest, don't we? And that's the culture we're trying to create here at this church is that we connect with one another. I know every time you see Gary, it's almost like you see the word connect on his forehead, but that's the vision. That's the goal. That's the promise. Listening to me, which some of you are like, yeah, if you're just, have we heard enough? Yeah, probably so. But anyway, but that's not gonna be enough. You'll be here today and gone tomorrow. If you're not connecting, if you're not allowing the support of other believers come into your life where they can confront you about matters and you know get mad and leave or comfort you or come beside you because someone needs to edify you and build you up, you're missing out on the whole purpose of what the church is for. It's not just to present truth, it's to be there. I've had some people say, you know. Especially last week. If you were here last week, the 11 o'clock service, there wasn't hardly any seats at all. And this service is filling up pretty well, too. I've had people say, you know, why are we putting so much emphasis on the new educational facility? Why aren't, we build, why aren't we knocking that wall out and building a balcony, adding more seats for this? Let me, let me tell you this, y'all. <laughs> we're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to build a body. And the body looks like those who are connected to one another. And the only way we're going to have that basis to 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 do that is to build something in which small groups can meet. That's the reason we put so much emphasis on home groups. Well, y'all told us we're too busy to do that during the week. So what we're trying to do, we're trying to build it here on Sunday morning and help you to understand. There's other people that want to come beside you and walk with you and help you and pour their life into you. That is the connecting piece. That's what he's talking about in these verses. That connection. Next, people, excuse me, Paul encourages spiritual leaders to be composed. Look what he says. He says at the end, he's talking about all these categories. Be patient with all. How many of you have to put up with other people sometimes? I'm starting to like this hand waving back. I'm starting to enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. We have to to put up with people. Some of you sitting there like, have you ever wondered if you're the one they're putting up with? (laughs) You ever walked in a room and thought, bless your heart. (laughs) I'm here, bless your heart. (laughs) No, no, listen, it's that idea that when we are in this journey with other people and we're connecting with other people, that we're patient, that we're composed Have you ever lost it before? I remember we were making a change here at the church many years ago. The people who I'm talking about are no longer involved and probably rightfully so after this. But I remember many years ago, this goes way back. So don't be sitting there, I wonder who that was. It goes way back. And I went to play a softball game. And um, when I play softball, I kind of have to have an edge to me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, you know, you know, got to go out there and got to prove something. That's the way it was 20 years ago. Now I just get out there and just try not to embarrass myself. But anyway, 20 years ago, I felt like I said, so go out there softball field. I'm out there and we were making some changes here at the church. And this, this lady, she's there supporting the other team who was attending our church. I understand her kid was on that team. I get that. That Believe me, that didn't bother me at all. Anyway, she comes up to me. <laughs> she gets right in my face. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm sitting there and like, first of all, I was shocked and perplexed. You know, it's one of the first major. Anyway, she just kept going. I tried to walk away. She would follow me. She just kept going. Finally, I just lost it. You know, some of you are sitting there like, you lost it? I did lose it. Number one, I had my man got to prove something idea going on. <laughs> I'm not proud of this as much as I'm trying to say, I totally ruined the ability to ever speak into her life again. Even when she was wrong, she was wrong. Believe me, she handled it wrong, but I didn't help it either. There was no love. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to, to, to make peace in this situation. I just had enough. And some of you are sitting there thinking, well, everybody's entitled to have enough, right? Not according to what we read in scripture. We're we're called to be composed. Because here's why. Because for a lot of these people, that argument isn't the only thing at stake. Sometimes eternity is at stake, and we better rise above it. I totally blew it, blew it with that woman. It was so bad I had to call and apologize. I will tell you this. She continued to unload in the apology, but I was composed. You see what I'm saying? We got got to be that. Next, and this kind of runs the same gamut. We got to be cool headed. In verse 15, he says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. That's exactly what I did. I wasn't composed, I wasn't cool headed or level headed, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. You know what he's saying? Look at the big picture. So many times we're programmed to just lock in to what's right there in front of us and just react accordingly. That's when the flesh gets in the way. We are called to stand back and realize that in this life, there's more things, there's greater things at stake than right there at that moment. And we better learn how to read that, discern it, and speak truth in the light the way it needs to be spoken. Now, here's the application. Have we as spiritual leaders... Church leaders, fathers, etc., upheld our responsibilities. Listen, listen to this. Men, we are held accountable by how we lead our homes. There's a book that's out there and, and the writer's writing to men. And here's what he says. A compass helps one, helps one get out of a confusing circumstance and move towards a desired destination. That is a perfect description of what a spiritual leader is to be about to help a person point in the right direction, to show them the truth, to show them what they need to be focused on. Now, secondly, do we properly acknowledge the roles and authority of those who are our spiritual leaders? Now, listen, (laughs) again, I'm gonna say it. God has placed them into your life. That's the reason, listen, that's the reason we take joining the church very seriously. You need to know what you're joining. That's the reason if somebody's been here for six months and they had not joined, I kind of get that in this day and age. I want to know if the person that I'm going to come and place myself under to learn the teaching of God's word, what do they believe? What's really there? What's their heart like? What's that going to look like? And I get that. But the question is this. Do you properly acknowledge it? And here's what that means. Here's what it means. It means that the person who's standing in front of you right now, listen, if his heart is right and he's trying his best to communicate God's word in the most effective way, and you came in here and yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit, you're not yielding to me. You're yielding to something that came through me. You're yielding to what the spirit of God and the word of God have to say to your heart and your situation do you acknowledge that that can happen? And if you, can, if you do, God will do wonders in your life. Whether it's your connect leader or whoever you sit under, if they're presenting truth, would you bow with me? I'm gonna ask the men to come forward for the offering. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, sermon like this is very difficult in many ways, but Father, I pray that we can see past the, the whole idea of what, uh, a spiritual leader is trying to tell other people how to respond to, to spiritual leadership. But, Father, we take something deeper here and realize that you have placed things in front of us. You have placed people in our lives, whether it's a spiritual leader in a home or a spiritual leader in a church or wherever it may be. Father, help us all to realize that that, that person is going to be held accountable. And, Father, help us to realize that maybe our job is to, to make it just a little easier, to fall in line, to to help not only that spiritual leader uh, by being what you've called us to be, to realize that they're trying to equip us, that they're trying to build up the body. Father, help us to get our hearts around that. Father, I pray for the men in this service. Lord, I thank you for the email that I received just this last week of a young man who says, you know something? I believe God wants me to step up in my family. Father, I thank you that your spirit is moving on the hearts of people, of young men especially, who who just say, God wants more. He desires so much more for my family. And and he saw that he was the catalyst to see that. Father, I thank you for that. Awaken that in all of us. Father, I thank you for this offer and pray that you'll use it to help us to be about going into this community, going into this world And, Father, that we would bring people to a point that they can be edified, that they can be equipped to be more like you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.